Hello and welcome to the Jock Mailbag. My name is Damo and he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Clarky is back and we're almost at the end of the dreaded buy rounds. Clarky, how have you fared so far? Oh, you know what? I've managed to skate through the last couple of weeks with some serviceable scores. Um, nothing outlandish, but I'm like most people, you know, just glad to make it through another buy round and thank goodness they're almost over. And another man who is back on the mailbag is Al Payton from the KFC Supercoach team. It's great to have you here. Woo! Yeah, thanks guys. Great to be here. And um, yeah, obviously uh, the buy is a very tricky time in Supercoach, a bit like uh, Clarky. I've managed to go okay so far. Nothing uh, extremely brilliant, but uh, I haven't crashed at all, which is nice. I've managed to get a couple of um, modest sort of rankings rises in so far and just one round to go, but it's going to be um, going to be a doozy after some of the news that's come through even just today. So good to see that you, uh, you, you wait for that and then um, get me on for the big show. <laughs> now, Al, before we get into Supercoach and footy, you have a new book coming out of Marsupials mm-hmm. and Men is available to pre-order at blackinkbooks.com.au and comes out July 5. What's it about? Yeah, no, thanks for uh, letting me plug that. It's not about Supercoach, uh, but uh, hopefully people will enjoy it anyway. It's a sort of a natural history about Australian animals and more the people who spend their lives and uh, careers finding out about them. So really going back 100, 150 years or so, there's some pretty eccentric and weird and funny and interesting people who went out and found snakes and platypuses and quokkas and all kinds of things and sort of, um, yeah, played a big role in in sort of Australian history and, and how we see ourselves and all those animals that we love. So um, yeah, as you say, it's uh, out in bookshops in July, and yeah, you can get on the website. There's a link on my Twitter if people are that keen. But um, yeah, get out and read it. I can't wait. It looks uh, look. I, when Damo mentioned it to me, I did go and look at the cover, and yeah, you had me at the quaker with the binoculars. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, did, I uh, can't take credit for that. They've done a great job with the cover. But, um, well, if the cover's great, then the words inside can be better. <laughs> oh, excellent! I hope that's right. <laughs> Back to Supercoach now. We mentioned that the buyers are almost over. Round 14 will be the difference, I feel. Most were well prepared for round 12 and most had at least 16 or got themselves to at least 16 for round 13. But it was always going to be how you prepared for round 14 that would set you apart. And some even having a plan to sideways premiums, which I'm not actually against, especially if it's someone like a Sean Darcy or a Christian Petrarca who are having up and down seasons in Supercoach. Clarky, are you planning on moving on a premium who is enjoying time off in round 14? You know what? In like the weirdest coincidence, and I say coincidence because I'm not very good at buy planning just because of how chaotic I am as a person. But for some reason, I've come in around 14 and I'm actually like, I'm actually looking at fielding almost, you know, 19, 20 players. So I've got, I've got options there. I think, I think it's a tough call. You really have to have trades up your sleeve and i know that if anyone is in the similar position to me you don't really have them it's it's for me you want to be still making sure that you've got as close to 18 as possible but if you've managed to get through the last two rounds with maybe 17 or 16 based on some of those laid outs and some of those injuries i don't think sidewaysing is the thing to do this week when you're thinking about the weeks going forward and what about you al well, actually, um, looking ahead, trying to plan ahead for the buyers, I actually stashed some cash away last week because I was planning to sideways Christian Petrarca, um, thinking that that would be my way to get to 18 players this this round and maybe, you know, get rid of someone who's been a little bit off uh, 
the boy the last few weeks, and I'm sure he'll, he'll produce some good scores on I the run home. But then, upgrade with his current form, Al. Well, I mean, that's the problem because you do need a lot of money really to do it. The guys that you'd be thinking of sidewaysing because they're not going that great, uh, not really worth that much. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you do need some money in the bank. Um, but then that plan sort of went out the window when Dane Zorko got injured, and I thought, right, well, at least I've got some money there. I can sideways him instead. Um, and then, of course, we got the news today about Max Gorm, which I'm sure we'll get into. So that's <sighs> thrown uh, that whole trade plan out as well but it, it's actually worked out really well for me i think that i have that sort of 150k sitting there because it's give me a lot of options uh to what i can do so yeah i don't mind the idea of sidewaysing a player probably if you already had 18 or 19 players i wouldn't do it because it's only going to be the difference between having a, a rookie on the field and maybe one more premium you know might get you an extra 30 40 points or something like that if it's a difference between having a donut and an extra player which is where i thought i was coming into this week then i think it probably is worth burning that trade and even if you're going sideways, you know, if I was able to go from a Petrarca sideways to, you know, someone like Rory Laird, which obviously you need a lot of money to do that, but, you know, you get an extra week of Laird scores versus um, whoever you're trading out. So uh, I can see value in it. But, yeah, as Clucky said, you want to, you want to have trades because, um, you know, you don't want to be leaving yourself with, you know, three or four trades left after the buys because you've just shuffled guys around to get an extra 30, 40 points. Let's get into the questions and we'll start with the Max Gorn injury. He's out for four to eight weeks with angle syndesmosis. Um, The obvious replacement is Jared Witts, who seems to be the number one ruckman of this season. Then there's also Tim English with that ruck forward swing. Sean Darcy's on the bye, but he's another one that you could potentially look at. And Toby Nankervis is having a nice run of form as well. Bucks on the website, though, wants to know what we think of Riley O'Brien as a point of difference. I, th- I think it's, I think it's a bit of a tough call. I, I personally, I haven't been impressed with him so far this year. Uh, I know that he was somebody that people were definitely considering as a bit of a point of difference going into the year. So there's when you've got Tim English and Jared Witts, I think is probably too relatively obvious um, options as the two ruck positions. I, I find it hard to make my point of difference, Riley O'Brien. Is, is his form going to come back? You know, is he going to just have up and downs? It's, it's too many question marks and he's not been playing his best footy. I mean, he, he did get dropped not that long ago and we were all kind of, I mean, Adelaide supporters were probably glad to see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, had similar thoughts to you, Clark, at the start of the year, thinking he could be a, a nice pod. And I actually picked him in my Supercoach draft team. And he was okay early in the year. But then, as you say, he went, went right off and, and got dropped out of the team, which was a bit of a disaster. Then he had that unbelievable game in the sample. scored like 250 KFC Supercoach points, had about 40 possessions or something crazy. And he came back in and scored about 170 um, in the AFL. But then last week, it was only, what did he get, 78 or something? And that was against West Coast. You don't exactly have the strongest uh, ruck combination at the moment. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of other good options out there. Um, Damo, you've already you know, listed quite a few there who uh, you could grab this week. So, yeah, I don't think you need to go something that exotic. And we've bumped him down to the second question because usually we open with <laughs> Patch's question because he always <laughs> likes to fire one off. Um, he wants us to discuss Will Brody. And um, I'm just going to read out a tweet that I put out on Sunday morning, uh, Will Brody used the ball at 54%, 38% kicking efficiency, only recorded one clearance and zero marks. He still attended the most center bounces, had 22 disposals, eight tackles, and went at 1.1 points per minute almost. So probably just a down game, 
But there is also the worry that maybe with Fife back, Brody's not spending as much time forward, so he's not getting those marks that he was getting in previous weeks. His time of ground is time on ground is still an issue, but I I think it's just a down game from him. My favorite thing in the world is that you as the resident Frio person on my Twitter sphere already had a statement prepared about Will Brody. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because I completely agree with you. Um, I watched the Frio game and it was definitely, it seemed like it was a bit of a case of, you know, all the opportunity was still there. I would say not quite, you know, as, as dire because it's only a one game downturn, but it feel it felt very, very Zach Butters-esque where, you know, we kind of identified that a lot of the problems were coming from just poor stats that go against you in terms of super coach scoring and the time on ground obviously being the additional factor in that. So I, I think he's a a definite hold uh, unless you're really looking to make some sort of outlandish uh, sideways moves. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I mean, his score of 82 actually isn't that bad when you look at those stats, like his his efficiency was so bad. And, um, you know, as you say, only the one clearance, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's something to just keep an eye on. I mean, Fife, that was only his first game back. So maybe you'll get a bit more time in the midfield. Um, as he sort of warms up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of other issues before I start worrying about Will Brody. Um, <laughs> yeah. now, uh, you two guys, I might be breaking the format of the show here, but just to circle back on the first question, I mean, what, what are you doing with Max Gorn? My initial thought was, well, I don't really need to do anything. I wasn't expecting him to play this week anyway. But then I was like, well, that's actually a bit silly because you can get a player in and actually have an extra premium this week than what you thought you would have um, if you pick up one of those rucks who are going to play every week now for the rest of the year. So, um yeah, which way are you leaning? As as the resident Melbourne supporter, I have determined a three-step plan uh, for dealing with Maxi Gorn. It's uh, try not to cry, uh, <laughs> lie down, and then cry a lot. Um, it's it will heartbreaking for, to see the big captain go down. But for me, it was kind of an immediate trade. Four to, four to eight is too many for me to not have a solid R2 and I was lucky enough to already have English. So it actually, I moved the cash into my trade-ins in the forward line this week. So, um, which probably helps with my, you know, low, low key gloating about having, you know, 18 plus players mm-hmm. <laughs> this week. But um, it seems to me just that kind of injury as well. They're, they're not, they're going to ease him back into it. They've got, we've got Luke Jackson and we've got guys in the twos as well, who could probably come up and pinch hit some of those rucks. Um, to give Jacko a bit of a breather as well. But Jacko's a ruckman. Um, that's what we brought him in to be. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it's going to be his mantle to to lose from this point going on. So, I mean, you, you, could you trade him in in Supercoach or it's Jared Witz, your man? Jared, Jared Witz, I think, has to be the man. Um, Damo, uh, I don't know if you agree with that. I've brought in Jared Witts. Yeah, I was planning on moving one of Gorn or Darcy to bring in another player this week because I was only running at 17. So I was going to move one of those guys on to get in someone else. And Jared Witts was the easy decision. It was just a matter of who I traded out. And this Gorn injury makes the decision quite easy. It's a long-term injury. Um, that's that's really the long and short of it. I think any, any super coacher and I don't know if you two lovely professionals can agree with me in this, but it, it, a long-term injury is you can't hold him for that long. You can't hold him for four, four to eight, which is five at best, you know, even longer than eight at worst if, you know, all things go terribly during his rehab. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't have wits or English, so that's the only difficulty. I think <laughs> leaning towards English, even though um, I was planning on getting him into my forward line at some stage, I think I'll just pick him in the ruck. And uh, it sort of leaves me with him and I've got Tickle on the bench. So I've got my two ruck forwards both in the ruck line. But it, there's probably a chance that, you know, one of my six forwards could get injured um, in the run home or maybe a Brody does drop off and then I could move English down and, and bring in someone, you know, maybe when Grundy comes back or, or get wits at that stage. So I think I'll probably go with uh, Timmy English as my straight swap for Max Gorn this week. Staying in the forward line or down that end of the ground anyway, lots of people traded out Stephen Canelio when he had his <laughs> lean run of form under Guilty. Leon Cameron. Now under Mark McVeigh, he is back to being a midfielder and he's had two good scores in his three games against North Melbourne and West Coast. Mm -hmm. Is trading Stephen Canelio back in a good idea? That comes from DJ Will. Good wanting Uh, to play in the midfield. (laughs) (laughs) Last week I would have said, yeah, he was an option. I mean, last week he was 420K and he was about to come up against North. Um, after that score, I don't think so now. He's nearly 500K now. So there's a lot of players available. You know, Isaac Heaney's probably 50K cheaper than that. Or, you know, some yeah, of the Geelong Isaac boys. Isaac doesn't score like that, though. <laughs> he, he doesn't. Isaac Heaney looks like a Lancer, but <laughs> Stephen Canelio, the Ferrari. Which is the time. real Stephen Canelio, though? Is, yeah. is, is he the... Is, it's Stephen Cornelio that scores 85 against the Lions, the real Stephen Cornelio, or is it the Stephen Cornelio that scores 130 against West Coast? I think the difficulty as well is it seemed like Josh Kelly had a bit of a niggle as well during the North game. He got um, tagged, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he got he got tagged for a lot of it, mm-hmm. and I think I did see, um, I thought he did have a little bit of a, a niggle and sort of dropped off a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, so maybe that can explain a little bit more of the Cornelio sort of uptake for the North game, but I think if he, if he's playing in the mid, this is, this is exactly why we picked him at 200 K at the start of the year, because, you know, we know that he wants, he is a good midfielder. He can play in the midfield and under Mark McVeigh, it seems like that's the plan. And that's really all that I think we wanted from that is the consistency in position. It feels like the, um, the people who have Cornelio who held him are sort of talking him down a bit, saying, yeah, it was only West Coast and North. And the people who trade him out are like, oh, my God, look at him. He's a, a uber primo. Um, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm glad that I held him, but I'm not expecting you know too many more 130s. I think if he could average 100 plus from here, I'd, I'd definitely take that. But you know, maybe 95 to 100, I think, is probably about the, the real Stephen Cornelio. So if you trade him out, I probably wouldn't be bringing him back in just Based on Not that. at 500k, but yeah. I think if look if you don't like any other options, you could do much worse for for that kind of pricing. Al, you said you had to deal with the Dane Zorko injury, but he's still not ruled out for this weekend, or it's not oh, ruled he? out for round 15, I should say. Yeah, so okay. there's a chance that we he may not miss any he may not miss any games apart from this bye week, obviously, but. What trade-ins were you looking at? Oh, that's interesting. As soon as uh, he hobbled off, I just completely scratched him from my plans. I didn't, uh, <laughs> haven't even looked at any Brisbane injury news. I just thought, well, that's it. He's gone. I'm never having to deal with him again. Um, Dave Zorko is the most broken, unbreakable <laughs> man. I like. I honestly, I, I have nothing but respect for the sheer force of will that he <laughs> seems to have to get through all these injuries to come back out fighting the next week. 
Yeah, points for that. But I think um, given the fact that he'd scored um, a 30-something a couple of weeks ago anyway, um, yeah. without an injury, I'm probably glad to uh, see the back of him. And probably he's, he's been a fantastic KFC Supercoach player ever since he's uh, when, when he came in as a rookie that year. In mid-season, he was one of the best picks um, that we'd had. So um, all credit to him, but I'm probably not going to pick him again in Supercoach. And there's just so many good options in defense. I mean, that's the thing. There's probably seven or eight guys who are going to average, you know, 110 plus. And, you know, even looking at someone like Jaden Short, who has been a great pick for me all year, I'm thinking, hmm, he's only getting sort of low hundreds when I could be, um, you know, I could have Sam Doherty in that spot or I could have Tom Stewart in that spot. So um, I don't think Zorko's um, in that echelon. So definitely think uh, move him on if you can. Again, he's a bit of the same Petrarca problem in that he's dropped a heap of money. So you need some cash in the bank to do it. No. Um, the one I'm wrestling with there is Tom Stewart is the one in defense I don't have that I really want. And it's a question of, do you get him this week when he's still, uh, what is he? 600, um, got it here, 605 K. Um, or do you wait? He's got a break even about 150. Um, he could drop down to around 550 in a couple of weeks, but the advantage of getting him now is he plays the Eagles, um, this weekend. So I'm tempted if I've got the money there to just grab him now, even if he drops in price a little bit, I'll just wear that and, and get the points. So Tom Stewart is my number one target in defense. Um, if you don't have Sinclair, uh, he'd be great as well. Or Doherty, they're you know, all traveling really, really well. Um, Bailey Dale maybe is a little uh, point of difference is another option back there. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Rich has also been having quite yeah. an off-season. He's uh, another Brisbane teammate. And he's pretty good value, actually. I think he's like low 500s. Yes. Uh, favorite son of the podcast, Daniel Rich. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We should uh, give him a pump up. But he's, I think, again, based on one poor score a couple of weeks ago. But um, recently, he's, he's been pumping out a few 110, 120 type scores that we know he can. So, yeah, I don't mind him either. Lots of options to trade Dane Zorko to there. That yes. question came <laughs> from Matthew Murphy on Twitter. This next one comes from a different Matthew on the website comments. Uh, he wants to know who should be his final mid upgrade. He's referring to midfielders that have just come off the bye. So that is the likes of your Callum Mills, uh, Rory Laird, Jack McRae, potentially. Rory Laird, I think is the must have. Um, Absolute jet. I don't, yeah, I I can't see my team without him. And uh, I thankfully already have him. So hey, if you don't have him, get him. He is with fire and away. It's, Rory Laird, Daylight, and then maybe Jack McRae. If I was to make a big call, I would say that Rory Laird's going to be the top averaging midfielder on the run home. Ooh, I like it. That's spicy, Damo. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think um, yeah, Mills obviously has had a fantastic season and possibly has the highest ceiling of all those guys. Like He could score yeah. 200, but um, it's a bit more unpredictable. And Laird, you just get 120, 130 every week, and he could definitely go higher than that. And when you look at Adelaide's draw, they play North twice between now and uh, the end of the season. And he's got the Eagles thrown in there as well. Eagles in round 21. So I think that'll be um, in uh, KFC Supercoach finals and then North the next week in the, uh, in the prelim. So um, yeah. Smells like points. Yeah. Yeah. Smells like fried chicken and points. (laughs) Speaking of big goals, do you want to get it out of the way, Clarky? Oh, is this my moment? Do I get to have my moment? (laughs) Go on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, gentle, non-binary, finery <laughs> listeners as well. Last week, no, sorry. Last episode I was on, not last week. I was uh, delisted for last week. <laughs> uh, when we had the lovely, wonderful Supercoach Mama. 
this man, one Jay Clarkfeld, <laughs> uh, made a call that Harry Himmelberg would be a potential forward option because his role has changed at GWS. And now I have come to reap what has been sown after a massive 180. Uh, I know it's against North. I know. I can hear you in the comments. Just just let me get to it. 38 touches, a goal. That man was all over it. He, could, he brought his own ball. He brought his own share into that game. And I like him. I like this new Himmelberg. He is a cheap forward option. He is playing a very different... He's not playing as a key forward. He's definitely in and around the contest. They want the ball in his hands because he is very good at using it. For your consideration, I suggest once again, gentlemen, Harry Himmelberg. <laughs> Did you actually pick him? I... <laughs> I actually... No, I I, I, I cowered it out in the end. Oh, Full no. transparency, I... Um, I actually no. I had another issue. I think regarding my defense line that week, and then he was on the bye, um, so it just kind of worked out that unfortunately, I think I brought in Callum Sinclair that week, um, just because it was kind of the the more solid option where I'm trying to stabilize my position. I did I did back it um, to see that, and then I knew he was coming to the bye. So it's it's just nice to get one right, guys. It's nice <laughs> to get one right. I, Thank you, Damo. I think um, I think Harry Hilberg falls into the same category as Aaron Hall for me from last year. I tried to avoid Aaron Hall for much of last year and then got to the point where I couldn't ignore how he was scoring. And I might have to concede that Harry Hilberg is scoring well before I reach Supercoach finals this year, but um, I'm still not convinced he stays at halfback, especially if Jesse Hogan goes down with another calf. They don't have a lot of options for the forward line unless they hand Wade Dirksen a debut before the end of the season, but I think Wade Dirksen is still a little bit away there. So um, I'm just worried that Harry Himmelberg will have to go back to the forward line because of an injury that happens in the Giants forward half, but um, he oh, don't is worry. scoring it is well. A sample size of three games, so <laughs> I do, I do completely understand anyone who is still hesitant. Um, but look, you got to ride the wave while it's there, Damo. The orange tsunami, you got to ride it. <laughs> I mean, could you get him just as a cash grab? I mean, he's he went up eighty five grand last week, which is oh. ridiculous. But he's still four hundred thirty five. That's cheap, and he's got a break even of minus sixty one. It was my so, first trade-in this week. Yeah, even if you just get him for a couple of weeks, get him through, you know, get you through the buys, um, you know, maybe get to the other side and then you can figure out what you're going to do with, uh, you know, whether you want English up into your rucks or, you know, it sort of buys you a little bit of time to figure some other things out. And in that time, he goes up 100 grand and then, you know, maybe then you could trade him to Bontempelli or figure out who you want your last uh, forward to be. Yeah, he's- I think... Himmelberg. He's probably the most expensive cash cow ever, but if he's gonna <laughs> but if he's gonna average a hundred points, then I don't see how you can turn it away, especially if you can afford it. I know, I know while we're in the forward line, um, and I know that you've mentioned this before, Damo, I would probably say as forward options this week for me, the first two things I did was bring in Harry Himmelberg and bring in Jeremy Cameron. Um Cameron's run home as as a forward option looks very taste and he's in Coleman medal form. Like it's it's within grasp, I think, for him. I'm I'm very I'm very excited to bring in Jezza for that reason. 
I'm very mindful with Jeremy Cameron that there may be a rest because he does have those old man hamstrings, but uh, Geelong's run home is very, very good. They tackle West Coast this week and then also in the final round of the year as well. He could okay. he could conceivably score 350, 400 points across two games. I, I take it back then because he, he, he probably will get injured. Sam Strings will get tired from kicking too many goals, Damo. <laughs> there is one last question before we get onto our tips and captains discussion. So we'll quickly get that one out of the way. Do you guys like the added strategy required to navigate the buy rounds with this three-week structure? Or would you prefer an AFL league-wide buy where essentially Supercoach just isn't a thing for a week? I would struggle with Supercoach not being a thing for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I quite like the extra challenge that it throws up. I mean, I guess the annoying thing is that as much as you plan for it, um, you always get thrown something like, um, you know, Braden Proust not getting selected and things like that, that you, you know, that you bank for. Um, and then, it, you, know, it's, you know, you've got 18 or 19 worked out and it never quite works out that way. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to uh, have that extra challenge and try and use it as a, a way to try and um, finish your team off and get a bit creative with some trades. And I guess the, the one piece of advice that I try and remember is to always, you get sucked in by the blue dots on the field and how many are on and off and you're flicking players between positions, but try and remember, just ignore the blue dots for a minute and have a look at your team and what it will look like after the buys. And is that exactly how you want it to look? And you, you know, Sam Durden um, is going to debut for Carlton tomorrow night. He could be a great um, little cheapy in defense for us, but like I can't bring him in because I've already got Jacob Ware and uh, Buku Kamas down in defense. And I don't want after the buys to suddenly realize I've got three basically defensive rookies and um, I'll have to play one of them on field, even though, you know, you can maybe do some magic during the buys to avoid that. So um, that's just one little tip, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, if the AFL got rid of the buys altogether, I wouldn't complain, but uh, I'm okay to uh, keep going the way they've got it. Yeah. It was a debate on the website and, and Leck was saying he would love to see how people navigated the buy rounds and super coach in general, if we didn't have those extra five trades, but we still had the boosts. Because he thinks that people's teams are uh, being completed too quickly, and now we've got people with ten or eleven trades left over, and they're able to move premiums to other premiums to get more points, and it's meant that it's tighter at the top of the ladder for the super coach. And he and then a big debate sort of happened about the buy rounds and the amount of trades and all that sort of stuff. And I thought the debate about the buy rounds was a really interesting one because a lot of the time there's the easy buy, the hard buy, and then the buy where all the tactics come into play where people try and get ahead because there's one buy round where people will struggle to get at least 18. Most people will have 16 or 17 where, and there's another buy where people will have 20 or even 22 available. And then there's one buy where people will either have 20 or 14. And then that's when the real tactics come into play. I think it's, um, for me, from from a pers- like a, my perspective at least, it's definitely the buy strategy part of it. I think makes it more interesting for me. Whereas just having a week off, it's you know I 
I think I'm with Al where it's like I hate to not be playing Supercoach for a week. Like I hate buy planning because I'm bad at it. But the idea of it is interesting to me because otherwise the alternative is we get to, you know, say it's round we get to round twelve and you go, All right, well, I'll have a week off now and I'll come back and just keep on playing it as normal. Whereas this way, you know, you're you're planning your entire structure from round one just to sort of help facilitate and you know, as the season goes. I think as far as like the extra trades goes for the end of the season, you know, people are getting their teams completed a lot earlier this year. And it's heartbreaking for those of us who aren't in that 1% of people with double digit trades, you rich, rich people. (laughs) But, you know, at the same time, I think that means that we're going to see some different strategies because it is so tight at the top end of the rankings. And I think from an overall ranking perspective, I think you're going to see some of those top teams making some kind of outlandish moves with some of their extra trades to try and get that edge on somebody. You know, maybe they pick, you know, bring in someone for a matchup that particular week or, you know, trying to get those little extra points to do that. And I think that's that's really interesting because it's not been done in my time, at least playing Supercoach. It's always been very much a, yep, you plan for the buys and then after the buys, you get to finish your team. We'll move into the tips now. I think we've said all we need to say about that. Starts with Richmond against Carlton on the Thursday night at the MCG. The vice-captaincy options in this one are obviously Patrick Cripps, George Hewitt, Sam Walsh, Sam Doherty. There's no Dustin Martin, but he would have been one for Richmond. Jaden Short, perhaps. Uh, if you would like, if you want to start outside the box a little bit with your vice captaincy option, uh, who's gonna? Who's probably the best option here, boys? George Hewitt, I think, has probably had the most consistent season um, as far as a safe VC option. I'm just looking at it now. I can't believe Richmond. Are, it might be slightly. Like, I can't believe Richmond are favourites for this. It's um, it's going to be a really yeah, good game. I'm looking, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. But I think yeah, George Hewitt, Patrick Cripps, you know, probably maybe has someone run with him. Um, they'll probably want to try and limit his impact from a Tigers perspective, although they're not known for tagging. Um, Hewitt would probably be my VC option from the game. Yeah, I mean, in round one, uh, if you recall, and uh, I'm trying not to remember it too fondly as a Richmond fan, but um, Carlton's midfield absolutely destroyed Richmond in the sort of second half or back end of that game. And it was Cripps and Hewitt and these guys just um, winning every center clearance. Since then, if you look at the stats the last six weeks, these two teams have both been sort of in the top three or so in the AFL in sort of center clearances and those um, contested footy and all those sort of stats. So Richmond's really made a, a conscious effort to step it up in that area. So they'll obviously be mindful of what happened in that round one game. So, but having said that, as you say, um, they don't really tag. So Cripps has had some pretty big games against Richmond in the past. And Sam Walsh, um, obviously, if you brought him in last week, it was pretty disappointing to only score in the 70s. But I can imagine him um, running all over the, the MCG and getting plenty of points. So, yeah, a couple of good VC options there. I'm just looking at it now. I can't. They're both won four of their last five. So I don't yeah. know why. I don't know why. I didn't, I didn't think Richmond were doing so well. But, yeah, they've been on really good form lately. So maybe, okay, maybe the, the odds being a bit more 50-50 makes no, it's sense. A, yeah, it's a tough game to pick and tipping-wise. Um, yeah, I think Richmond's been playing really well. They just dropped that one game to Sydney, which you could argue they um, threw away. Was, so That should have um, been 50 metres, I'll say it. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, it should have been a draw at least. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Blues are flying as well. They 
Tom Lynch back, so that might uh, no, okay, get no. it down there enough with those injuries. It's a pretty pretty tough first up assignment for Sam Durden, maybe. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a real banger of a game. I think I'm tipping Richmond in this one as well. Just uh, I've, I think I've Carlton. I think Tom Lynch back will stretch Carlton's defense just a, that bit too far. It's going to be a close game though. Next game on Friday night is St Kilda against Essendon at Marvel Stadium. The way Sam Dockey scored last week, you would put Jack Sinclair in that vice-captaincy bracket fairly comfortably. I think Sinclair is actually my vice-captain for this week. Um, sorry, Patch. I think, uh, did you call him Callum Sinclair earlier? But uh, I assume you were referring to uh, Jack Sinclair. He's been um, one of the, yeah, just one of the super coach finds of the season. I'm just trying to look up against Essendon. His last two scores against them, 47 and 59. So... I don't know if we read too much into that. He's obviously having a much better year than uh, what he's shown in the past. And the Essendon, um, yeah, hasn't been great. Uh, they haven't been great defending the ground. So, yeah, he should uh, should get plenty of ball. And even last week, I thought he was, wasn't was one of his best games for the year. And he still scored, you know, 115. So, um, yeah, he's definitely an option. And I think uh, the Saints will win that one pretty comfortably. Yes, I think the Saints will take care of Essendon pretty comfortably there. We, Darcy Parrish, chance to miss. So Zach Merritt is oh, also no. an option if you traded him in. I forgot about Parrish. Oh, I own Parrish. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, guys, it's all unraveling. <laughs> Early Saturday game, Port Adelaide against Sydney at Adelaide Oval. Ollie Wines is having a great run of form and Callum Mills will be fresh off of the bye. Both of those players would be good vice captaincy options. And you've also got Luke Parker, Travis Boak, if you want to have a go at him, it's a vice captaincy option. Throw caution never seen, to wind. I've never seen more hesitance in a line. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Butters is going to play, is he, with off that uh, smashed up face? He's available, apparently. It was available in the game, apparently. As well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> the, the old Hinkley concussion. I think Sydney win this one, um, but lose the first half as they normally do. <laughs> um, a big watch for our ruck lines in this game as well. Bryn Tico is a good chance to debut Tico, as well Tico, after his um, <laughs> great Sandful game on the weekend where he scored about three goals from about four disposals. Uh, Who would have thought that Port Adelaide would give us uh, two great rookie ruck options this year? <laughs> and drop one for the other. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Saturday Twilight, West Coast against Geelong at Optus Stadium. This is the this is the 30th anniversary of West Coast's 1992 premiership. Also against Geelong, yeah. I assume yeah, they've about planned the little this. Victories, West Coast. <laughs> I, I assume they've planned this on purpose. Um, captaincy option: Tom Stewart, obviously. Uh, not a lot of captaincy options. Jeremy Cameron. You could put the vice captaincy on Jeremy Cameron or Tom Hawkins as well, because there is a chance that both of them kick about eight goals each. It's a funny Geelong's a funny team in Supercoach this year. I just looked up the uh, ownership stats, and uh, the most most owned Geelong player is Sam De Koning still. Uh, then Tom Stewart. They're the only two over. Then you're all the way down to Cooper Stevens is next at twelve percent, um, and then you're down to like Tom Hawkins has got four percent ownership. Mitch Duncan three percent. Dangerfield is on one point three percent. So these are guys that you know we would have previously looked at and you know could all potentially score really well but um yeah they're not in a heap of kfc supercoach I'm, I'm assuming they've given up 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Geelong are tough. Oh, you know what? I was really disappointed because I expected guys like Cam Guthrie, Mitch Duncan, mm. even Parfit to um, a certain degree to really be firing this year. And it's it's in in a really weird feeling because I don't know why this is coming, but it's, I'm kind of disappointed because I think those guys are all really great footballers and I wish I could pick them, but it turns out I'm just picking future Coleman medalist Jeremy Cameron. I think Geelong take care of West Coast here pretty yep. comfortably. Yeah. Uh, might not be a captain's option out of that game, though, so might just be one to sit back and try to enjoy. I think Tom Stewart could go well. Tom Stewart could go well. He always goes well, but who knows if he'll see the ball down that end of the ground. Well, yeah, that's true. On Saturday night, the Giants play the Western Bulldogs. These games are always close and fiery. Canelio is an option, I guess, if you want to hmm. put the vice captaincy or captaincy option on him. Josh Kelly, if he gets up, is another option. Bonson Pelly is an option, although he's been playing with a sore shoulder. Jack McRae is another one. Josh Dunkley as well. You assume Josh Dunkley will go back into the midfield with Bailey Smith going to miss for however long. A while. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to actual jail, but he's going to football prison for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I like <laughs> yeah, yes. I like Dunkley in this game. I also like Dunk. You know, I actually do like Dunkley because the the opportunity is actually there for him to have one of his really big midfield moments um, with Bond sort of needing uh, to hang back a little bit and Bailey Smith not being a problem. If I remember correctly, the corresponding game last year is when Dunkley did his shoulder, but he was on, but he was on like 80 points midway through the second quarter. Oh, that's bad juju, Damo. We don't put that out there. Yeah, well. The I've redemption game. <laughs> I think with West... Jack McRae? Do we, do we consider him anymore? I mean, he was like a, an, uh, you know, perma-captain for about a month, and then he's, yeah, I mean, just not Maybe Jack McRae we know. Maybe Jack McRae is the, benef- is the beneficiary of yeah. Bailey Smith being out because... Jack McRae had been moved to a wing and he had also had that frustrating uh, mi- uh, interchange rotation where he'd be on the bench for the final 10 minutes of the fourth quarter where all the points seem to be given out. Mm. So maybe he stays on the field during those crucial times now with Bailey Smith. Well, we've already spoken about him. Mm. Uh, he could be an option. I'm, I'm more comfortable with Dunkley or Bontempelli, I think, to be honest. Is it- what about uh, Tim English? Who knows which Ruckman he's going up against? Well, hopefully clear. it's Braden Bruce. For the hopefully it's Braden sake. Bruce because I know some people are wanting to trade him in for Max Gorn. Final game of the round is Gold I think Coast. The take that one, by the way. Uh, they're, they're probably my, that's probably my upset, I think, of the round. I'm going Western Bulldogs. I'm hoping they can rally around and and get it done. But it's going to be one of the. It's going to be a, it's a good Saturday night game, to be honest. It's going to be one that's going to be close. So, um, Toby Green will do something crazy. Yes. Always seems to in these games. These Giants and Bulldogs games always seem to, always seem to provide headlines. And the standalone game on Sunday, Gold Coast against Adelaide at Metricon Stadium. Your obvious ones here are Turk Miller and Rory Laird. Jared Witts as well is another option, especially up against Raleigh O'Brien. 
I think Gold Coast take this. Who else uh, is a captaincy option here? Jordan no Dawson, one's jumping out at me. Yeah, Jordan Dawson, Dawson is another one that you could potentially put that captaincy option on for a hail mary at the end of the round. But I think yeah, Laird and Tuke are both uh, both really solid sort of backup captain options in that game. If you take a chance on a VC earlier and they doesn't come off. Yeah, I think um, I'm also going to go Gold Coast for this one. Gold Coast have been having some kind of year, and they're, they're sniffing finals. They can smell it. Mum, Mum's in the kitchen making finals, and they can smell it. <laughs> they're ready. They're going to have to win a fair amount of their last of their last games to get in, but they're on a good run of form. Um, I think Gold Coast win this. Uh, Adelaide have been okay without being great, so. Gold Coast should win this one, but Gold Coast have been known to drop a few games. They're doing a lot better this season, though. So, uh, yeah, Gold Coast for me and everyone else, I assume. How good's Babio yes. Joel? Yeah, no, he's having a good I'm really, I mean, like, just, just he'd be handy before. still at uh, the Tigers. I didn't really want to lose him, but um, he's going a lot better than Kellum Coleman-Jones. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Is um I love I love seeing him thrive. That's that makes yeah, and no, I'm really happy footy. for him. But just uh, talking about them making a run at the finals, they probably picked a bad year because the top eight or nine or ten is it's really hard to get into. And um, someone uh, I think uh, Daniel Hoyne from Champion Data made this point that Collingwood could be knocked out of the eight this week. They obviously got the bye, so if Richmond win, they'll go past them. Collingwood could be ninth with eight wins and five losses, which is like insane. So, yeah, it's going to oh, be really yeah. hard to get into the eight this year. You probably need about 13 wins to make yeah. the eight and about 15 wins to make the top four or to even be in the calculations for top four. So going to be a tough run to get into the finals, especially for those middle six teams. You're going to have to hold on to some form. Or yeah, absolutely. Like the Bulldogs, you know, Richmond, they can't afford to be losing games. So, And that's it. I think we're done. An abrupt end, but we had a lot to talk about and there wasn't really a way to end it without just saying that we were done. Thanks, Al, for joining us. Thanks, Al. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, go and buy the book. But um, no, it's been great and good luck, uh, everybody, with your Supercoach trades this week.